Do it. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stallion Pancake Podcast with uh, multiple time guests, Chris and Weil. We have her on because the Uppies are coming up. Woo! Uh, the first annual Uppie Awards. And we wanted to talk about how she came up with the idea and uh, how the nominations happened. And we're not going to talk about who wins. It's come out before that. But it's exciting. So it's like the Oscars. I'm really excited. I feel like it's something that the industry is really rallying around and excited about. And for me, right now, given the pandemic and never-ending change, like changes and battles restaurants are going through, it's really cool to have something that people are excited about in the restaurant industry and actually like for industry members themselves. So, so why, don't, why don't we talk a little bit first about like the other awards, not the local ones, but like you got the James Beard Award. Like what other awards can Charlotte chefs win? I mean, yeah, the James Beard Awards, I feel like are debatable because we've seen year after year and, and things are changing. So I think like we'll have a better chance going forward. But the way the James Beard Awards have been structured in the past, I don't I mean, we had a chance of winning, but that chance was pretty limited. Um, Michelin's not here. I mean, so we don't. I guess a, a Michigan pug is the best. Yeah, exactly. Best award you can get. <laughs> it is coveted. Yes. Um, yeah. So one kind of the lacking thing, the next step that Charlotte is missing is really like national recognition. And one way to get that is through some sort of award. But there's just not really a lot of awards you can win. I mean, you could get. You could also get fifty best restaurants in the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which is. That's going to yeah. be hard to get. And like like you said, the James Beard, they just have... The way they rate, you have to have someone who's... I don't even know how it works. But we've never... We've only had semi-finalists. We haven't even yeah. had a finalist. Uh, so I personally, as Scouting Pancake, always wanted to do something like the Uppies. And I'm so glad that you did it because uh, it's really important for Charlotte. So kind of tell us how you came up with the concept like where was it born so it was born because i felt like there are a lot of publications that do like best of lists um that are not all that reliable um and part of that is like you know ones that are fan votes are generally you get PR people who are like blasting their newsletter like hey vote for this person vote for this person and then you get like chain restaurants that just have a big marketing platform behind them getting recognized or like just restaurants that happen to have a bigger following um and it's it's not really based on knowledge it's just more around hype um and at Unpretentious Palette being a membership publication we have a a very well dined Reader? Yeah, the, yeah, your people who subscribe to Unpretentious Palette, they want to, they enjoy food and restaurants. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're paying to read about food each month, then you're clearly very invested in the Charlotte restaurant scene. Um, and we wanted to take advantage of that knowledge um, and basically create our list of like, hey, this is a group of people who are the most knowledgeable diners in the city. Like, who do they think is best? Who should Who should be recognized? Um, and so with that, you know, we, one thing that I really don't want to do is do like another 50 best restaurants list. Um, 
because I think to do that undertaking well is it's a massive expense first of all but it's also like so much of it is chance like did you go to the restaurant on a bad night like you know you're cramming a lot of research into a certain time frame and I don't think that's always fair and so we're thinking like okay like what's something that we can do that still like it's not like you know a ranking but recognizes people in the charlotte restaurant industry that deserve to be recognized and our people of the year was what we came up with which is uppies is unprotected spot people of the year um and it's just recognizing uppies people. is the best name yeah they actually so john came up with uppies and then i was like oh like people of the year it's perfect so yeah. we kind of run on reverse on that but i feel like it's going to be just people who, who changed something in the city over the last year um and i'm really excited to like have a reason for folks in the restaurant industry to actually get together uh, people who support the restaurant industry to get together and just be like, Hey, like we're doing cool things in the city. Like that's just like cheers to that. So that's kind of like the long winded background. on So it. what describe the, what the trophy is going to be like. Yeah. So we're actually getting, um, so Joe, one of the owners of Bing Bing burgers. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen his woodworking. Um, I've never, I fucking love Bing. So yeah. Oh, it's got explicit. But yep. I actually was talking about that the other night. I'm like, I haven't been to Bing Bing in so long. Yeah. Well, I love it. so Joe has a hobby of uh, woodworking as well. So we're getting um, cutting, he's making cutting boards that we're getting like the a, a metal plaque essentially affixed to. So it'll be like a, a wall hanging cutting board, um, which we thought would be cool because, you know, celebrating people in the industry and it's an industry member making the awards. So it should be I pretty cool. I love it. So it's going to be. Instead of like the James Beard medal, it's going to be the uppy yeah. board. Yep, uppy board. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay, so tell, tell us about the categories that you came up with. Yeah, so we have 13 categories. We'll see if I can name them all off the top of my head. Um, so it's we're doing best chef or chef of the year. I shouldn't say best chef. Chef of the year, um, we're doing a chef to watch, which I think is really important because there's so many people that are kind of under the radar that like will probably be in the chef of the year category in a few years. Um, we've got... Everything from farm of the year, food truck, ghost kitchen, um, pop-up concept, pastry chef, mixologist, general manager, which was another one that was really important because I feel like front of house folks don't get much love in this town, but we have some really talented general managers. Um, trying to think of who I'm missing. There's a couple more in there. Oh, supporter of local food, which was a funny one because we were actually like the most nominated. Unprotected Palette was like the number one nominee. Um, so that made me feel really good. But we've got some really great folks in that category. Um, and then most impactful chef is another one. What happened to uh, best niche food podcast that happens once every three months now? You know, we just <laughs> you forgot had to that cut one? it for budget reasons. You know, <laughs> we couldn't afford that last cutting board. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. So and then those are awesome categories. How so? And only people talk about the nomination process and yeah, how, yeah. Um, so we wanted a way to prevent it from becoming like a popularity contest, um, and so we decided to just you know, use the knowledge of our readers. So uh, the the voting was only open to unpretentious palette subscribers, um, and in that way, you know, we could kind of make sure that we were you know o- only soliciting the votes of people who really value uh, restaurants. And Charlotte's food scene. And I mean, you know, I'm sure there are people beyond our subscribers that do that. They just haven't found us yet. Um, but we thought it was just, you know, a really good way of making sure it was a quality list. And so we had our subscribers, um, everybody got one vote. And I feel like the list came out basically like what I would have selected. Um, so you had no selection process. It was all the readers. All the readers. Yeah. And then so the edit, the the winners were selected by the editorial team. So we took 
the top three nominees in each category um, and their finalists. And then the winners will be announced at the event on November 15th. And the editorial team is? Yeah, so it's uh, myself and then our writers. So um, Travis Mullis, who does a lot of our uh, restaurant reviews. Shannon Blair, who does um, a lot of news coverage for us. Anita Skoglin, who's kind of like our our wine and cheese expert. Um, She's former industry. um, And then Peter Taylor, our photographer. Um, And how did the discussions, like, was it, was there a lot of contention when you were talking about the finalists or was it kind of a mutual? Um, I think for the most part, we all had similar thoughts. There were a couple categories where it took some debate, um, but we all came to an agreement. I love it. There was no like, you know, I'm the editor and I'm deciding this is the winner. It was very like, you know, I because I could have argued a lot of the categories. It was like, well, like I could pick any of these three, um, and so we talked it through. And so, you know, a lot of it came down to like, we're, we want this to be an annual thing. So this putting the timing on this past year, like who who of these three made the biggest difference in this past year? Yeah, and how many how many readers, how how many people voted, roughly? So it's hard to say because not everybody voted in every category. Um, I want to say like just under a hundred like votes per category, but that more doesn't... people voted because but cause, yeah like we like I didn't vote because I didn't know like I don't know the front of house people so I didn't feel like yeah I should have just voted on the ones that I liked the ones that I knew about right and that's so, what a lot of people do so like it's hard to say like so how many people voted because it was I'm like glad you told me that because I was like I yeah and I that's I should make that more clear next year there were things like we we learned as we went. Um, yeah, so that's first, it's the first year of the office. It's yeah. the inaugural office. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Like the, um, when we announced the finalists, like the feedback was really great for the most part. Um, and people are really excited about the event. So that's like, yeah. And I think to me, like the event is the biggest piece of this. Um, because like I mentioned, it's been a pretty horrible year and a half for the restaurant industry. Um, and so for this, like when I was editor, food editor at Charlotte Magazine, we'd do these restaurant events um, and we'd be like, hey, like, congrats, you made our best new restaurants list. Like, come to our event, but like also come cook for like 300 people for free. Um, it's great exposure. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. And and I wasn't really comfortable with it then, but it just seemed like, you know, it is, is what you what you did. Um, but I wanted this to not be that. So we're giving all of our finalists get free tickets. Um, it's a Monday night, which, you know, is the night most restaurants are closed. Yep. Dressers metropolitan. Um, and like none of the finalists are cooking, but we did ask like our best chef finalists, um, their favorite dishes. And some of the menu items are inspired by them. So it's going to be a cocktail hour. Like, you know, everybody will be dressed up, which will be nice. Cause I feel like, you know, so many times the chefs are asked to cook at these fancy events, um, and like never actually get to be part of them. So, so, the best chefs were Greg Collier, Paul Verica, and Sam Hart, yep. right? So what so what can you tell us what the dishes are inspired um, by? Yes, um, if I remember them. You don't have um, to tell us the winner yet. So Greg Collier's was grits. Um, so we're doing a shrimp and grit station. Paul Verica's was foie gras, which obviously, you know, was kind of we're we're not gonna serve <laughs> foie gras for hundred fifty. The budget. People. Yeah, but um, his other one was mushrooms, so there's um 
uh, North Carolina cheese and mushroom crostini. That will be his um, inspiration. And Sam said he likes um, anything Cheerwine. really spicy, um, specifically dumplings. So we're doing some Szechuan dumplings. Oh, cool! As well. That's cool. That's like a little. That's a good kind of represents. Yeah, it's like a little Easter shots. egg, you know, like a fun um, thing. So, if you wanted, this is going to come out this Sunday, so you'll still have a week. Yeah. So if you want to go and get tickets, how do you do that? Um, yeah, so you can go to uh, uppyawards.eventbrite.com, and that'll take you to the Eventbrite page. We also have a Facebook event, um, so you can find that on the Unpretentious Palette Facebook page, or when you go to unpretentiouspalette.com, there's like a little pop-up window. Yeah. That makes it easy. It's probably go to unpretentiouspalette.com. Yeah, that's probably the Do easiest. a little pop-up. Yeah. And become, become a subscriber while you're there, you know? <laughs> Why not? Why not? You get $10 what off What is it, five, $6 a month? Uh, so it's eight ninety nine a month. It's yeah. nothing. Eight ninety nine a month, and you're supporting great, the only restaurant publication because Yvonne and I have basically retired. So <laughs> you have. Well, to, you'll be back. Yeah, I mean, we'll, I should we'll just like have you guys do a guest blog on UP. Oh my god, that would be amazing. I'd love that. All right, well let's do Yvonne that. Yvonne can't write anymore, so it's gonna have to be me. All right, sold. So tell us what's going on. Um, and unpretentious. Anything else you want to say about the uppies? Um, no, just that I think it'll be a really fun time. We've got um, Basil Hayden's our presenting sponsor, so they're going to be on hand doing samples, and like we'll do um, your ticket, you get cock- uh, cocktails, and we'll have beer from Nota Brewing, um, and we're going to have live music, and everyone will get to speak. That's the one thing I do want to say. So, um, all the nominees, all the winners. So we're going to announce the winners live, and then each one gets a couple. Are minutes you going to gonna have like if they go a little long because? Both, all Greg Collier, Paul Verica, and Sam Hart. I feel like they could talk for 50 minutes. Are you going to have, like, is there going to be an orchestra there that tells there them they have to get... There will be a jazz band. Um, <laughs> I did not think of that, but that would be really funny if we did that. Um, they're all going to be told, like, they have two minutes. Okay. Because so, we have 13 categories, so it's going to be, like... Yeah, you don't want to be there yeah, all night. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it goes from 6 to 8.30. So we're going to start the award ceremony at 7. Um, and then that'll be probably, like, an hour-ish, and then... Um, from there just kind of party for well the this end. is super i'm so glad that you're doing this super exciting everyone should go and support because you're you're supporting the local restaurants like this is about as good as you could do as far as yeah. supporting local restaurants so. yeah it's just gonna be a good like way to say like hey thanks for hanging in there over yeah. the last year and a half you know and thanks yeah, for and just, making the city what it is so tell us uh tell us like what what's happening give us a little rundown of the charlotte scene yeah, gosh, what is happening? I feel like there were, you know, there's been some openings like over COVID that kind of went under the radar. Um, but coming up, like things are kind of slowing down. So Para is the one that like, I feel like we've all been waiting for um, to open in South End. Um, and they're getting close. I think we're probably gonna do a preview of event there. But like that, I think is the one opening i've been looking forward to throughout the pandemic because and that's alex verica that's gonna be alex verica um with um chef dave from fahrenheit is part of the ownership group alex is gonna be running the kitchen on day to day um and i just think i so i've seen some of the dishes a lot of hype for it a lot of hype. yeah so he's been doing concept menus and like it's gonna be pretty awesome um and they redid the interior it looks great in there it's former zeppelin space um and it's it just looks like really sleek and it i think it's going to be a a contender and as like a best restaurant in charlotte when it opens i love it i uh 
I recently, speaking of the Veritas, I recently went to the Stanley that Danny Wheeler is now the yes, head chef. Yes, yeah. It's so, I mean, Stanley's always been good, but I thought it was incredible. Yeah. That's a great match, Daniel and Paul. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it allows Daniel to do the high-end stuff that he wanted to do, mm-hmm. but kind of under Paul. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, that, you know, Daniel's really, really talented. I think like... When he was in South Park, um, you know, my one gripe with the dishes there was that sometimes there's just like a little too much, like almost like just too many trying a little too hard. Um, and I think like with Paul kind of having that level of edit, um, like it, everything's fantastic. So I think, yeah, that is a really good pairing. Um, and I'm excited to, to see what happens to the Stanley. What about have you been to the new place that's in the old Penguin spot? What's that one? Oh, um, no. Um, Kai Soul, no. I have not yet. I want to try just, that out. You know, it's funny because it's one of those places where, like, it's right down the street from us and it's family friendly. So I'm always like, oh, like, we'll just go one, like, evening at 530 and bring JJ along. Because it's like, you know, to get a sitter to go down the street seems, yeah. like, really silly. Um, and then, like, you know, life happens and we just haven't made it yet. Um, but I've heard good things from it, being, you know, just from neighbors that have been. Um, yeah, I want to go. That's, like, the one I haven't been to. And obviously, Alex's place when it opens. Yeah. And uh, what's the new sushi place? I'm just, I sound like the old man. The old new There's like a uh, Kaiseki menu of a sushi place somewhere near uptown that I heard is good. Or a tasting menu. A sushi tasting menu? No. Anyway. I don't think I know that one. <laughs> or I do, and I'm just not. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about Charles. There's so. I feel like now. We have legitimately five to six, like, really good restaurants. Yeah. That, that, not to name any names, but, like, that really, you could put them in New York and they would do amazing. I I don't think we've had that before. We've always had one or two, maybe. uh, But now we really have five or six that are up there. 100%. And it's been, the one thing that, like, I feel like I haven't loved lately is, like, the number of national concepts coming in that like people don't realize aren't locally owned i feel like that's what seems to be happening a lot you mean like emmys that i was talking about that yeah I really yeah which you know it, not to say like it's not good and not worth supporting but i'm starting to have concern of like you know that space that it went into was this like you know the little antique store yeah in the heart of central avenue and then now you know it's it's a reliable restaurant but it doesn't have the personality of like a place made for Plaza Midwood um and I feel like that's happening a lot in South End um and Uptown too like these are concepts that come in and they may be locally owned like franchised but they're just not they're like almost like masquerading as a locally owned restaurant yeah um and it's like that weird gray area where it's like okay there are like five of these in the U.S. does that make it a chain or does it not um and I don't know the answer to that we always when we when we always did the top twenty five, which we may or may not do this year. I mean, you just said we shouldn't do a top twenty five list, but we'll see. I just I don't want to do it. I mean, you no, guys. No, no, it's really hard. It's really especially during COVID. That's why we didn't do yeah. it last year. And yeah, since you know we used to eat out like all the time, and now we just because of COVID it's harder. But we always said during that time, uh, they had to be only in Charlotte. Like if they had another location yeah. outside of Charlotte, they couldn't be on yeah. our best. Uh, list but yeah I, I don't know i feel like those are gonna come especially on the high 
rent. Yeah. Because um, these places in Southend or Uptown or even Plaza Midwood, like, the rent is so high that local restaurants probably can't go there. That's why, like, normally really good restaurants are kind of on the outskirts yep. of town. Like, yeah. if you think of, like, Bardo and Counter. Yeah. And, like, even where Greg Collier is and uh, Lee and Louise and, like, the Stanley was kind of it's so small like yeah they're not like you can't because a place like that if you're paying thirty thousand dollars in rent a month it's right. just not yeah. gonna work out well i mean the stanley too started as heritage and waxhaw so like it yeah. wasn't you know exactly it wasn't like Great he just point. popped right into elizabeth and like Greg um, Collier started in rock hill yeah so just right. like these places yeah. and they like eventually go exactly yeah certain places so yeah i i think that's i agree with you like i don't I wish they wouldn't come, but I think it's better than like an Olive Garden. Oh, 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the thing is, it's like, it kills me when I see the line outside of Snooze. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, but uh, there's always people that, there's always the demographic for that. Yeah. But, but what we're, sh- what it's proving now is Charlotte has the demographic for all the good stuff too. That's true. And, yeah. And I think. Th- I think it always had that demographic. Maybe you can kind of chime in on this too. Like people, I think it took a few chefs to prove that the demographic was there. Yeah. To, for other people to believe in it. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think if you look at like, you know, we we brought up counter a few times, like you look at the evolution of like what was out there in Charlotte. And like, I feel like, you know, the Stanley when it first opened was, out there compared to the rest of the restaurant scene and then Bardot opened and that took it a step further and then counter opened which was just kind of like all the way out there you know and everybody yeah. I think there like was the first a lot full of tasting menu mm-hmm. um, option yeah yeah and, and I mean heirloom like you know I think heirloom was ahead of its time I also think heirloom had some other you know I mean, like that interior <laughs> you know like yeah you know that they, there were some issues there, but the fact that I think it made yeah. it as long as it did, I think, says something um, as a tasting menu only restaurant. Um, I mean, yeah, when you true. when you have a tasting menu, like you look at counter size, it's, it, you're not going to get the same diners in every week for that tasting menu, right? So, like, if you're trying to see, I don't know how many people fit in heirloom, but I want to say it was probably like seventy, yeah, ish. Um, like, you're not going to get 70 people every night for a 12-course tasting menu. Versus, you know, you get counter, they're open. They've got 12, they've got 16 exactly. seats, and they do sometimes, most of the nights it's one. One seating, yeah. But, but that's, like, why it works so well. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I think it, you know, with Heirloom, like, I don't think it was that Charlotte wasn't ready for it. I think there were some other, just like. So what do you think, so I love the way you kind of did that progression. What do you think was, like, the like before Stanley, what was it? I kind of think it was like Soul Gaster Lounge. I was gonna say either Soul or like maybe Custom Shop. Yeah, those um, were that's a good one too. Like, cause Soul was just so and yeah. Soul is still. I, yeah. I, I love Soul. Yeah, but it just had like the coolest vibe yep. and you know weird shit on the menu. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then before that, it was probably um, Barrington's. Yeah, I mean, uh, Barrington's for sure was a, I think, food. a turning point for Charlotte. Yeah. Like, I remember talking to Bruce Moffat, um, 
owner sure of Chef of Barrington's. Don't come at us, people. <laughs> <laughs> about um, like when he first opened Barrington's, um, I think it was like for an anniversary story, and he was saying like he couldn't get non-frozen seafood. So like what Barrington's did for like in terms of putting a locally focused, like fresh food focused restaurant in Charlotte, um, I think that was a big turning point. I think the city has a, like Bruce sometimes is um, overlooked because he's not as active as like an executive chef. Um, Like he's not as, he's not the chef of a restaurant, right? He's kind of the behind the scenes chef at a whole host of really good restaurants. Um, And I think he, you know, it's like Charlotte can be shiny object and he's not the shiny object anymore. So, Um, but I think uh, Greg Zanich is another one that I think doesn't get enough credit um, at the fig tree. Yeah. Tim Brody uh, was huge for for making Charlotte what it is. Well, and Nobles um, too. Yeah. Yep. Nobles was that was kind of revolutionary yeah. for his time. Yep. Um, and like Bonterra has been around forever. Yeah. Um, Carpe Diem. R.I.P. <laughs> Some classics. Yeah, yeah, but it's crazy to think back. I mean, like all you know, none of that was that long ago. And just think of. You know, just to picture a restaurant not being able to get fresh seafood in today is just like, yeah. Ugh. Well, and kind of the market, the market has shifted over the last 20 years yeah. with just people go out more than they used to. Like some people only eat out like yeah. me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very little cooking. Until your so, kid arrives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yvonne is an excellent chef, by the way. And she, she cooks a lot, but... Uh, yeah, so just uh, so many more people are going out and then wanting like these good places, and we're and also a big trend in Charlotte now is like the really good fast casual places. Yeah. Like, we've got Optimus Hall, we've got uh, Camp North End, we've got these places popping up. The food trucks, like, yeah. Really, the food truck was probably the first like fast casual places that were actually really good. Yeah. Now we still we we're still missing like a few things like on, on the very low end. Like we need like a couple of good delis which hopefully we're gonna get but like places like that where yeah. like we don't have enough like gas station good food like in new york yeah. you go and it's like the convenience store but you can get like a good really good sandwich like we don't really have any of those places and also like just common market which i think is, i feel like common market is so underrated for its sandwiches for some reason yeah i don't know if people just like think it's just beer because like people just go there to drink yeah, for the most part now. But, but man, we have common market we have Laurel Market, yeah. which I I love Laurel Market. Also very good. Man, but, my egg salad, like every time I go by there, I'm like, I'm craving an egg salad sandwich. I got one for Yvonne today, the yeah. number 12. So good. Egg salad, horseradish, bacon, oh, extra yeah. crispy, honey wheat bread that for Yvonne. Sounds delish. But yeah, I just feel like we need more yeah. of like in breakfast places. We don't have, it seems like we just have no good breakfast places. No, yeah, that's true. Just as complete. It's like Hardee's and Bojangles and like. Yeah nothing yeah I, we've been um going to dish a fair amount for breakfast um, i do love dish yeah but the dish is a sit-down place right like we need yeah. like breakfast sandwiches yeah yeah like just a quick like i'm gonna go get yep. a bagel or a yeah. breakfast sandwich or... yeah yeah i remember in dc like there was a place where we could get like a you know bacon egg and cheese on a croissant for like 4.95 and it was like right between the metro and the washington post building and like I just pop in there and like get a breakfast when I was hungover on my way into work when I was in my twenties. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, the boss is here. <laughs> We're potting live from uh, 
Wild Kristen, Tavern. Wild's Tavern, which every time I come here, there's uh, more bourbon down here and uh, more shelves. You just add more shelves. Yeah, yeah, that was John's birthday present. Um, was extending the bourbon bar shelving for another like I don't know, two hundred bottles maybe. I love it. Yeah, probably true. Maybe one, you know, this should be like the VIP after party for the uppies. There you go. All the winners get an invite. You know, we actually talked about doing like um, all the guests on the virtual happy hour um, coming down for like a little hang. And we just never like actually got to plan it. But yeah, I think I, I do. do I think like you could totally do that here and have like. Whiskey experience. Yeah. You get people like. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Like a re- you could like sell tickets for that, like right. super VIP. Just don't tell the ABC store. Yeah. <laughs> the tickets is, is for enjoying our company. Yeah, it's not for the drinks. Free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. I love it. As your accountant, that's how I would do it. Yes. We don't want to pay sales tax right? on those tickets. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I love it. Done. So, tell anything else we want to talk about Charlotte? I feel like I just had something in my head and now, I, now I've lost it. Oh, oh yeah. So I wanted like ABC while we're talking about that. Yeah. This is some crazy times for ABC. I feel like now is going to be a turning point. It'll be interesting to see like legislators, legislators seem to be paying attention to all the problems and it's becoming so visible that so it'll what be are, interesting so, to see so I don't, what's happening. I don't dabble in the liquor scene. That's so tell, true. Tell us what's yeah. happening. Well, liquor stores are pretty much dry right now. There's like no liquor in the state um, and ABC keep saying that it's because of bottle shortages and trucker shortages, which is like true in some capacity for certain things. Um, but it's not really the problem to the, like North Carolina's problem is just significant. Um, like you go to South Carolina and there are bottles pl- plenty of booze. So what's, how many States do you know that, that like still are run by the government? Um, I think there's like five or six, but they're all done differently. Like the way North Carolina is run is unique um because what sucks about the restaurants is like they can't get cool whiskeys and stuff because it has to all be bought by the abc store and they have to like show the label yeah all this bullshit yeah so like restaurants really are are the losers in all this in like a lot of ways so it's funny we went to um, an event at dogwood recently it was like a media preview and eli came out and he had like a handle of tangere and he was like this is all the abc store had to give me and he's like you know craft cocktail bar like you're making a ton of drinks he's like i can't even like pour this with one hand and it's like so you know you're supposed to be back there like where a where are you going to store a handle b like you're supposed to be like you know a craft cocktail bar and like out you come with a handle of gin like just the optics of it was hilarious but um like restaurants so you mentioned the neon stickers that have to go in the front like if you're a restaurant you pay three dollars per bottle for that sticker and it's not like hey like jason you're my distributor like i'm gonna buy like 18 cases of your you know well vodka and like in exchange like i'd like access to this like really good bottle of whiskey that's allocated yeah. or like i'm buying this in bulk so like i'd like a discounted price um so there's like none of that n- the normal economics of buying um and then like not only that but like if you're a north carolina or a mecklenburg county restaurant you can only buy liquor in mecklenburg county so like if i own a whiskey bar i can't be like okay like you know, all of the great liquor stores are, or all the good bottles right now are like locust. I know they have this really good bottle that I'd love to have in my bar. So I'm going to go up there and buy it. Like, illegal. Can't do that. You can't, can't. Um, there are like a hundred and over it's, more it's than It's anti-capitalism. It's 100% anti-capitalism. That, that's, um, that's, uh, 
Thanks, Obama. But that's, that's that's like that's that's not even that's communism. It's crazy. And the interesting thing though is like it's really just a sweet system for the state because so like one common misconception is that ABC employees or ABC store ABC store employees are state employees. Um, and that's not the case because the only state employees are like the Raleigh ABC commission. Um, and then they contract out each board. So like they have contracts with every single county in the state plus some like they're like and basically each board just pays back money to the state. So like they have goals and like they have to give a percentage to charity and a percentage back to the state and like that's it. So the state doesn't have any overhead in running most of it. Um, so like, you know, and it, you so it's have, all going to the wages of the people on the right. Raleigh board. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, night, JJ. Night, babe. Love you, bud. Say night, now. Oh, Pumpkins, JJ's yeah. going to be running. He's going to be running the uppies pretty soon. I oh, know. yeah. Yeah. John likes to call him pretentious palette. We were at a, <laughs> like a um, Halloween party at our neighbor's house the other day, and there were bacon wrapped scallops, and like he loved the scallops. That's good. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's like my biggest fear for our child is that he doesn't like good food. And uh, we might have to put him up for adoption if it doesn't work out. <laughs> You'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's interesting when they're like, all they want to eat are strawberries. And you're like, but like, what about this great dinner I just made you? Yeah. But we have found like, you know, man, like truffle oil and scrambled eggs. Oh. It's a winner. That sounds, I, that's a winner for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Kids are funny. It. You're going to love it. So, ABC, we just need... So, is there momentum to change so, the system? Yeah, so that's, I think, like, you know, there was a hearing um, in Raleigh, basically, to try and figure out, like, what the, the drawbacks were. And I think there's a lot of visibility and a lot of people becoming more vocal about the problems. And so, if things don't start changing now... I think we're in trouble. But hopefully now's the time because it's just, I mean, the news coverage is crazy. Like, yeah. people are paying it's attention. It's time to change. It's time no, to change. No other state does it like yeah. this. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't, you know, the, it doesn't mean, like, we can't be state run, but, like, you know, things as simple as having, like, an updated, accurate inventory every day on websites and, like, letting, like, some restaurant owners tell me, like, they spend, like entire work days each week driving from ABC store to ABC store and they're still getting like maybe half of their liquor order after going to like six stores. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just like not, it's fair. not good you, for business. Yeah. Can you imagine like ordering something from Am- Air from Target and being like, oh, like you have to go to these four targets to get your order. You know, it's yeah. just like none of it would make any business sense if it were not a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> needs to change. It needs to change. That's my soapbox on ABC. Yeah. That's why we moved to South Carolina. Yeah, right? Don't have to worry about that. Yeah. We have our own problems, though. And you can take advantage of the, you know, Mecklenburg County Rare Whiskey Lottery because despite only, you know, being able to buy in Mecklenburg County if you're a restaurant, they want anybody in the whole world to be able to enter the whiskey lottery. Oh. So, like, if you live in California and you enter the lottery and want a bottle of Van Winkle which is like cheaper to fly to Charlotte and buy <clears throat> at retail than like buy on the secondary market, you know, cool. It makes a lot of sense. It's so much sense. Yeah. All right.
Tell us the best thing you ate this week. Best thing I ate this week. Honestly, it's probably dinner tonight. Um, we ordered Patrick's Gourmet, and it's like our go-to. We probably order every week now, but tonight was a duck confit, um, and it was amazing. So oh. Patrick um, was one of the owners of Aix en Provence. He now has a home delivery service called Patrick's Gourmet, and it's like three courses, $30. And for some reason, I said I didn't want it, and that was really stupid. I'm immediately yeah, regretting. I'm sorry, but it's great because you, you offered can, it. You can and order I said, it. I said, I said no. Yeah, we did idiot. say no. Well, I, and to be fair, like, I didn't really tell you what it was. I think if I told you, you know, exactly yeah. what it was, you would have said yes. Um, but you can see, I don't know, maybe John didn't need the bones clean. You can go check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll dig through the trash. Yeah, but it's, it's really cool because, like, you can order up until noon the day of, which for us is huge because it's just like, okay, like, my day's gone to shit this morning. Like, what are we going to eat tonight? Like, let's order Patrick's Gourmet. We can order at 11 a.m. and then have it for dinner. I love it. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know what I ate this week that was really good. Not Patrick's Gourmet. Well, we did. So, Yvonne and I went to Counter. They did the Rocky Horror Picture Show themed dinner, which is awesome. So cool that we have a restaurant that's doing fun yeah. stuff like that. If you haven't seen Rocky Horror Picture Show, which Yvonne had not, and like all the craziness that's involved with that, uh, you should do it one time because it's super fun. Uh, but they, what did he have that was so. Did he actually had, play the movie like during the whole Oh, dinner? yeah. He, oh, he, that's play, really cool. he played the movie and then he had like. You know, there's, like, you throw rice and all this mm-hmm. stuff during it. He had a guy, like, do the commentary, like, during the thing. Yeah. So he didn't speak, actually, at all. It was just the commentary guy, and then they served it during the movie, which was super That's cool. That's really cool. And then the then they did actually three dinners on Saturday. We went to the early one because we're old people. <laughs> but the last one, they actually did, like, full out. Everyone, like, did the squirting guns and the everything. Because they didn't want to have to clean up that mess many yeah. times. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really fun. So that was super fun. But he has uh, he has the best thing that I think has ever come out of Charlotte, which is a high praise. But he has a cream puff that is filled with... It's a sweet cream puff filled, filled with uh, truffles and foie gras mixed in. And then he shaves truffles on top and then puts maple syrup on it. And... Hmm. It's pretty fucking amazing. Wow. And uh, you said you're going in a few weeks. He charges a ridiculous buttload for it. Um, I don't even remember how much it is, but it's worth it. I didn't do any of the add-ons, but I guess I, now I need to go back and look yeah, at you, it. Yeah. Well, he'll probably let you do it that night, but yeah, okay, you got to try that. Good. If you go there, and and he took my advice, which was don't freaking upcharge that shit. Just include it in the price because I hate, I hate going to a restaurant yeah. and like you trying to sell me on stuff. I, I hate that. I saw he said posted on Facebook. He's like actually doing that, yeah, though, right? He finally listened to me. Yeah. So. so well, I don't know. The add-ons were still an option when I made my reservation. Yeah. So I think it's on yet. the next menu. Next menu. Gotcha. But everyone should go there. And I'm dying to try the new Bardo one. I haven't gone there. Um, I know they just changed like a bunch of their menu items, so I'm super excited to try that tasting menu. We should. That should be like the next UP Scallion Pancake oh, planning meeting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll write that off for I sure. I like it. <laughs> All right, Kristen, this has been amazing. So everyone, go to unpretentiouspalette.com. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Do it. And then go to the dinner at Dressler's. First of all, it's a dinner at Dressler's, which is always good. And then you're supporting the local restaurants, and someone's going to cry. There's going to be lots of emotion. It'll yeah. be fun. Oh, who's going to cry? We should we should make that a bet. I'll have to look at Yeah, I'm going to think on that. Well, I, I have to tell you the winners for you to decide that. Yeah. So we'll go off the record for that. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Everyone have a good week.